You are Locked On Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to another episode here of Locked On Ravens. I am your host, Kevin Ostriker of Ravens Wire, and we return with another week of Ravens talk amidst this quarantine. And right now, guys, it's just the name of the game is content. Content, content, content. I'm trying to provide it. And I know it can be a bit slow, and especially now, because, you know, who knows if the regular season is going to start on time, if it will, if it won't. There are a lot of unknowns at the moment. But even if we were quarantine-free and football was, you know, gearing up to start in the training camps and everything, we're gearing to start up late July, early August, you know, it's still a slow time. And so we have to get creative here and look at, you know, tons of stats and going back to last year, even going, maybe going back a few more years. There are a lot of things that we still have to talk about. So keep it locked on here on Locked On Ravens, a little bit of wordplay. But that being said... I'm glad that I resurrected this Q&A thing because it seemed like it was a big hit. So what I'm going to try to do is, you know, on a week-to-week basis, I'm going to put it out there on Tuesday nights and then again, probably before I do my show, just a quick Twitter thing asking you guys if you have any questions for the week. And obviously, the question and answer segments, it, it highly depends on you guys and whether you want to ask me questions or not. So on a rolling basis, we're going to bring back the Q&A segments for Thursday, depending on how many questions I get. Maybe it fills out the whole episode. Maybe it's just one segment, but I want to be able to answer any questions. And that is also content. And it is your content that you actually create by asking me questions. But today we're going to do a bit of a 180 and kind of circle back to the draft. We've been talking with a bunch of other hosts from a lot of different divisions on the Locked On Network. I want to kind of talk about the Ravens draft here in the first segment, but not your conventional, oh, here's who they picked and why. More of, did they get value or not? And I think we all know the answer. But I just want to dive in depth a bit because really the value that the Ravens got in this draft, position-wise, pick-wise, it was really amazing. So going through the whole draft and analyzing whether there was good value here or not between the players and the picks that they were selected at, I think that's really important. So we're going to start with that in the first segment. Then in the second segment, we're going to do a 2021 mock draft, bringing back some mock draft Monday here on Locked on Ravens. Now, obviously, I'm not going to do this every week. I think that'd be a bit of overkill. But, you know, the draft is over. I'm really excited for what this Ravens team can be built into in, you know, 2020 and beyond. So doing an early 2021 mock draft, maybe I'll do this again one or two more times before the season ends up starting. But I think doing it now when the draft is still fresh in our minds, I think that's really Really important. So doing that and understanding who's out there, what positions, you know, if the draft was today, would the Ravens select in these rounds? So we'll do that live here on the second and third segments, rounds one through three in the second segment, four through seven in the third. So we're done with that. Let's jump into the content. Before we do that, you know who this episode is sponsored by. It's Built Bar. Be sure to go to BuiltBar.com and check out all of the flavors and deals they have on their website. Also, be sure to follow us on Twitter at LockedOnRavens, my personal account at CarolShirker34, and be sure to subscribe to us anywhere there is a podcast. We put out content Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Eastern Time. So let's just dive into the Ravens' value and what they ended up getting during this 2020 draft. And I think you have to start with Patrick Queen. And all credit here, it goes to Eric DaCosta and what he was able to do with the 28th pick. Now, usually when you have a late first round pick, it's, oh man, you know, the mid, the middle of the first round when there's some talent that maybe falls, 
it's hard to trade up because you have to give up so many of your, you know, second, third round picks. But then you get to 28 and it's kind of this no man's land of probably players who the Ravens would have been fine taking. But in reality, they probably could have traded back into the early second round, let's say pick 34, 36, 37, and still probably gotten one of the guys that they had probably been okay with selecting at 28 had it come down to it if teams wouldn't trade back with them. Now for the Ravens, once Cesar Ruiz goes off the board at pick 24 to the New Orleans Saints, obviously Kenneth Murray goes one pick before that at pick 23. The pickings become pretty slim for Baltimore because you're looking and you're saying, oh man, well, Patrick Queen is still there. We have a few picks to go here. Or the Ravens trying to make these calls to go back because after Patrick Queen, you probably have those players who you're looking at and, and you're saying, well, I'd be okay taking them at 36 or 37. I think we could go back, get more draft capital and that, that would be that. But for Baltimore... They did a really good job of just letting this draft play out into their laps. Now, of course, the rumors that the Ravens would have probably or at least most likely engaged the Oakland Raiders in a trade had C.D. Lamb fallen to pick number 19. I think those are well justified, and if it was true, I think it was a move that, you know, I could get behind if I was the Ravens because, look, C.D. Lamb, a generational talent, the Cowboys, they got a good one. And, I mean, personally, I think when you look at Baltimore and their receiving core right now, Maybe they could have used C.D. Lamb. They, I'm happy with Devin Duvernay. I'm happy with James Prochet. We'll talk about them in a second with the value. But, I mean, look, Baltimore had the 28th pick. In the 28th pick selection in that slot, you're not really going to get a ton of, you know, first-round top-of-the-draft talents falling there because there are 32 NFL teams in this draft. People know where the talent is. Now, obviously, there are talents that fall every single year. Patrick Queen, I do believe, was one of those talents. The Ravens got exceptional value with Patrick Queen, somebody who I saw going in the top 15 in multiple mock drafts, top 20. Really, he never really escaped that top 25 unless it was to Baltimore. It was either he was going at 24 to New Orleans or 28 to Baltimore, really his low point. There were some where I saw him fall to the second round and Cincinnati grabbed him. But for the most part, Patrick Queen was, lo and behold, a good mid-first round prospect. And the Ravens, seeing that Patrick Queen was falling and falling, and then I think what really kind of set that stage for them to say, well, we're not going to move, is the Packers have Christian Kirksey at pick 26. Once they trade up, you're not going to, you know, trade for a team that you probably know isn't going to take that linebacker that you want. The Seahawks actually surprised me quite a bit. I've talked about it before. Them taking Jordan Brooks actually caught me very off guard. But overall, the Ravens got their guy. They got value. And then moving to the second round, the same thing with J.K. Dobbins. Eric DaCosta said that it would have been, you know, buffoonery not to take J.K. Dobbins because he was their first running back on the board. He was their number one rated running back. When you have a guy like that, you have Mark Ingram, who, you know, could get cut next year. Hypothetically, it saves them $6 million. I don't think Mark Ingram is necessarily going to get cut. Maybe a contract restructures in the books. But for J.K. Dobbins and in this Ravens team, I, I think it was a great fit because you look at the Ravens' run-heavy offense. The Ravens, before the off-field issues, had another, you know, small stature, you know, bowling ball running back in Ray Rice. 
I think he fits what the Ravens want to do. Now they have four very quality running backs, and you can argue the fit. You can argue, yeah, maybe it's great value in terms of the player, but where's the value in terms of the position where the Ravens could have maybe selected Denzel Mims? And look, I hear you. It took me a little while to get on board with the Dobbins pick. I wasn't thrilled at first, but looking more and more at it, the way this Ravens team stays competitive year in and year out, and the reason they go through soft rebuilds instead of those full-blown, you know, 0-16, 2-14 rebuilds is because they get players at positions that they know are going to be important for them for years to come when they still already have good players there. That not only helps having a good player at the position, but it helps their development because you have Mark Ingram at the position of running back. We go to the third round and Justin Matabuike. Yeah, maybe the Ravens revamp their defensive line, but now Matabuike and, and Broderick Washington, for that matter, can go and learn under Brandon Williams and Calais Campbell and Derek Wolf. That will really help their development. You then look at the rest of the third round. You get Devin Duvernay, a very solid receiver who I saw going anywhere from the early third round all the way to the fifth. The Ravens, the receivers were going off the board very quickly. Baltimore knew they needed to pounce, and DuVernay, outside of maybe Donovan Peoples-Jones at that point, was really my last draftable receiver in that range. Now, I know Peoples-Jones slid quite a bit, but I still believe that the Ravens got value in DuVernay. Then you get Malik Harrison, someone who was going in the early second round in some mock drafts, and I personally believe he should have gone at the latest in the mid-second round, late second round. I think, the again, tremendous value. You pair him with Patrick Queen, that linebacker duo, it's going to be unstoppable because they complement each other so well. And the Ravens, I know, knew that when they were drafting Harrison. And then Tyree Phillips, again, that swing guy, the Ravens cut James Hurst. Maybe he wasn't projected to go as high as that third round, but, you know, it's potentially and realistically an early fourth round pick because it was that last pick in the third round. He can play both tackle and guard. The Ravens are obviously going to probably train him up to play guard. But again, you look at the Ravens draft overall, and I'm head over heels for this class because you, you look at the value, and that's what makes Eric DaCosta and Ozzie Newsome and John Harbaugh, this whole Ravens organization, so fun to watch work, not only on the field, but off of it as well, because then you get Ben Bredesen. You need a guard. Maybe Tyree Phillips can't develop into a guard immediately. You have someone who started four years at Michigan, was a third-round guy in most mock drafts. That's value. Fifth round, I mentioned Roderick Washington. I think he's gonna, you know, maybe not the pick that most Ravens fans were hoping for, because now it gets extremely crowded, and what do you do with Dayla Mack at this point, Justin Ellis. I think one of those guys has to get cut because the depth on this team on the defensive line, it's a lot now. So the Ravens have some work to do there, but he's a guy who can come in and learn and I think really fits that mold of Brandon Williams, then James Prochet and Geno Stone, the last two guys. The Ravens obviously trading their fifth round pick next year to move up and get Prochet, something that means they value him immensely. He's going to be, I think, be a big contributor when it comes to this Ravens offense in 2020. And then Geno Stone, somebody who I think is really the replacement for Anthony Levine, can play dime linebacker, really instinctive, ball hawking safety, can lay the boom. The Ravens, you know, Geno Stone, fifth round guy in some mock shafts. Same with James Prochet. The Ravens did a phenomenal job in this draft of being able to land value, not only with the players they selected, but also just with the positions that they ended up selecting as well. I think they did a great job, and I laud Eric DaCosta for just being able to sit and be patient and just let the draft come to him because I might not be as patient. I might be trying to make a move up. If I see Patrick Queen sitting there at, at 25, maybe I'm making that move up, but I'm very happy Eric DaCosta is running this team because he just has that football mind that not many have. 
We are going to head into our first break now, but when we return, we're going to be looking at rounds one through three of our 2021 NFL mock draft, so stay tuned for that. And we will be right back, but before we do that, Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. Built Bars, they're tasty, they're healthy. They're a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, but they're also great for the health conscious person. They have 16 amazing flavors, eight that come in the chocolate and nut flavor, and eight that come in chocolate and nut free flavors. They're 100% chewable because they're covered in 100% chocolate. They're low calorie, low sugar, high protein, and high fiber. They have peanut butter brownie and mint brownie. It's just two of those 16 amazing flavors. So go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get $10 off your first order. Use promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off at BuiltBar.com. Welcome back to the second segment of this Locked On Ravens episode. Your host, Kevin Oshiker, is still here. And we're just making this a draft theme Monday, but a mock draft Monday. Now, we're obviously done with the 2020 draft, but we're going to head and look into the future with a 2021 seven-round mock draft. And we're going to be using the Draft Network. They have their 2021 database updated. And so what we're going to do is we're going to talk about rounds one through three here in the second segment and then rounds four through seven in the third segment. So taking a look at it, we're going to be using their rankings. And I'm going to be looking at the Ravens from as if, you know, the season hasn't started yet, but we'll do it based off of their positional needs for 2021 and kind of looking at what they'll need in the future as well, not just 2021, but back in 2022 and 2023 as well. So we're going to start this up here. We're going to be doing it live on the show. So we're doing seven rounds. We're doing it with the fast speed. So we'll hit start and the Ravens will be up here. Trevor Lawrence goes number one overall to the Jacksonville Jaguars. And on the Ravens here, actually at pick 31, which actually makes zero sense because the Chiefs are at pick 32 in this. And obviously two AFC teams cannot play in the Super Bowl. So unless a trade happens, that's not going to really work out. So what I'm looking at is either wide receiver or edge. And for me, I think edge is a really big priority because you look at what the Ravens have. And on the edge, Matthew Judon's a free agent. Tyus Bowser is a free agent. I think that for Baltimore, there's value in selecting an edge player in the first round. Now, this draft isn't necessarily super deep when it comes to the edge rushers. This is another really good wide receiver class. The running back class is also very good, but the Ravens, I don't think are going to be taking a running back anytime soon for the foreseeable future. So looking at who's available Travis Etienne is available, and that would have been somebody who (laughs) I would have been ecstatic taking if I was the Ravens pre-J.K. Dobbins, but now the Ravens have J.K. Dobbins. So the top two guys are running backs. There's also Jalen Twyman, the interior defensive lineman out of Pittsburgh. They could potentially take Brevin Jordan, who's a tight end out of Miami. He could be a potentially interesting option depending on his production. He's 6'3", 245 pounds. But I'm going to end up going with a receiver here, Rashad Bateman out of Minnesota. I believe Spencer mentioned him a little bit on our show last Tuesday. He put up monster numbers at Minnesota, 60 receptions, 1,219 yards, and 11 scores. He's 6'2", 210 pounds. So while the Ravens kind of have these shorter receivers, I think pairing him up with Miles Boykin to kind of make the really big tower guys, I think that would really do Baltimore well. So we're going to go ahead and select Rashad Bateman here. And I think that this is a great pick because I don't think the Ravens have to look to receiver for a while unless everybody busts out on their roster right now. They With Rashad Bateman now on the team, you have Hollywood Brown and Boykin and Devin Duvernay and James Prochet. 
that's a great young receiving core to have. And I think that, you know, they do maybe need a veteran in there as well. And I still think even without Bateman this year, they need a veteran. But I think that for the Ravens, Bateman would be a phenomenal pick. And then looking ahead to the second round, I think that I'm going to go with a tight end here. And I think this might surprise some people, but I'm going to go with Luke Farrell, the tight end out of Ohio State. And the reason I do this is because he's a good blocker. He's always been known as that blocker in the Buckeyes offense, but he's really good and a really good blocker. I think that that really helps the Ravens offense and pair him with Nick Boyle. Nick Boyle's a guy who's a blocker, but, you know, isn't the best receiver. Farrell's also not the best receiver. I think that potentially they could kind of mold him into being a Nick Boyle. And Nick Boyle's very underrated on the Ravens offense, and I think throughout the entire league as well. Farrell is slender. He's powerful. He's really experienced and knowledgeable too. And, you know, he's not going to wow you with any athleticism. He does stand at 6'6", 250 pounds. So he's a big guy. But I think overall, when you look at Farrell, he is worthy of a second round selection at this moment. Now, he hasn't had more than 250 receiving yards throughout, you know, his entire career in a Buckeye uniform. But the Ravens value blocking. They value tight ends who do it well and can also sometimes be a threat as a receiver. He can be not maybe the next Hayden Hurst because he doesn't have that athletic receiving skill set, but I think that he could be somebody who really helps Baltimore. So we're going to go ahead and go double offensive weapon and select Luke Farrell. And I think I'm going to now focus on defense. I think edge rusher really is a priority at this point if there's a good one available here in the third round. I definitely have to pick one, but I think also cornerback is an underrated position here for the Ravens to select Jimmy Smith. He's not going to be around forever, and so I think that for Baltimore, they could potentially look and go with a corner in the early rounds. Maybe potentially if a good corner's there in the first round, you might see the Ravens go and try to select one. Now we're here in the third round, and Tyreek Smith and Tyreek Johnson, the two Tyreeks from Ohio State are available. Tyreek Johnson plays cornerback, and Tyreek Smith plays edge. Now, when you look at Tyreek Johnson, he's a six foot, 195 pound cornerback. He came to Ohio State as a five star recruit. I personally think I'm going to go with Tyreek Smith, though. He's big, he's 6'3, 267 pounds. Now, playing behind Chase Young did not put up a ton of numbers here nine tackles, three sacks. But in 12 games, he didn't get a lot of playing time and still was able to come up with three sacks. And that's where I think I'm going to bank on the potential of Tyreek Smith. And especially with Edge being such a position where the Ravens might need somebody, I think that taking a flyer on Smith is something that, you know, obviously we don't know what his 2020 production is going to be. And that's really what I'm banking on. Maybe the Ravens get value with that. I think with Chase Young gone, he's going to get a lot more playing time and nine tackles, three sacks. If you put that up to production, three sacks on nine tackles is not bad. But we're going to head into our second and final break. And when we return, we're going to be getting into rounds four through seven. So stay tuned for that. And we will be right back. Welcome back to the final segment of this Locked On Ravens episode. Kevin Ostriker is still hanging with you here. And we just got into rounds one through three of this 2021 mock draft. We selected a wide receiver in the first round, a tight end in the second, and an edge in the third. And looking ahead to the fourth round, now keep in mind the Ravens do not have two fifth round picks anymore. It's now only one because the team ended up trading their fifth round pick they acquired in the Chris Wormley deal from the Steelers 
to the Minnesota Vikings to move up and select James Prochet. So in the fourth round, I'm looking at a cornerback, especially because, look, again, Jimmy Smith is not going to be around forever. There are two that interest me here, Kerry Vincent Jr. from LSU and Keith Taylor from Washington. I'm looking at Keith Taylor, though, because when I look at Taylor, he's 6'3", 195 pounds. And when you look at those kind of guys who are big and don't weigh a ton, you think, oh, well, they're probably really fast, but they might not have a ton of flexibility. For Taylor, that's not true. He has a ton of flexibility, a ton of knee bend. And when I watch him play, he's very instinctual. He is able to kind of give off this vibe where you don't really know what he's going to do when you're an offensive player, receiver, tight end, whatever, because he doesn't give it away with his positioning. It's really actually interesting because he'll do a bunch of different things, go out of a bunch of different sets, and it'll all pretty much look the same. He reads and reacts very well, doesn't overreact. He's really patient, but he also, when he knows something's coming, he was quick to the ball, quicker than anybody. So I think that somebody who anticipates like that is able to have those ball skills, has a little bit of Marcus Peters in him, to be honest. And Marcus Peters, as we all know, came from the University of Washington, just like Keith Taylor here. So I think that I'm going to go with Keith Taylor. Maybe Jimmy Smith comes back at an even cheaper rate next offseason and he can learn under him. If not, you have Marcus Peters and Marlon Humphrey who we can learn under, maybe another veteran corner back. It's interesting because he has to remain hip to hip with people down the field. That doesn't really happen with him a ton. I think that vertically is his biggest challenge. If he's able to kind of get that out of the way, he could easily be a first round pick just with his intangibles. So we're going to go with Keith Taylor out of Washington. And now when you look at the Ravens, they will of course select best player available, especially here in these later rounds. So at pick 148, which the Ravens have in this mock draft, anything is possible. And literally, I mean, anything is possible. It's interesting because when you look at the Ravens in their offseason class, I think edge is a position you have to look at. But again, does LJ Fort come back? Do Patrick Queen and Malik Harrison, you know, turn up that duo so much and do so well as that duo at linebacker that maybe LJ Fort wants to go elsewhere because he's not getting a ton of playing time? That's interesting to me. So I'm going to go with another linebacker, an E-Roll Thompson out of Mississippi State, 6'1", 250 pounds. And this is somebody who is physical and he is a thumper. He really just is seeking out contact and the word physical, it really does suit him. He is stout at the point of attack and I think he's a run defender first. Obviously, I think that some players excel in different areas. E-Roll Thompson excels as a run defender but I don't think he's an every down defender. And at this point in his college career, maybe he can fix that up because if he can end up being at least a little bit better in pass coverage, that could jump his stock up a few rounds here. But for me, his coverage skills aren't that great at the moment. So you're looking at maybe a one or two down linebacker instead of that every down, three down linebacker. So I think that with Thompson in this Ravens defense, you don't necessarily have to have him as a three down linebacker because you have Patrick Queen and you have Malik Harrison. You can put him in in situations that are good for his skill set. And that's why I think I'm going to go and select him here because maybe LJ Fort doesn't return. He was signed to a two-year extension. Maybe the Ravens cut him. Who knows? So we're going to see what ends up happening with LJ Fort but even if not maybe he can be that fourth linebacker and somebody who can learn under LJ Fort and then once LJ Fort leaves if he does leave that can be the scenario for him and as we now move into the sixth round again 
best player available is the key. I do think I want to secure one more edge rusher before this draft is up. I don't think a quarterback is in play. Again, I don't think a running back is in play. You could go another offensive lineman now. That's all going to depend on Ronnie Stanley and what happens with him. I'm going to operate under the fact that he will most likely sign you know, a huge deal, $25 million with the Baltimore Ravens. So now when you look at this draft and the Ravens are now up at pick 191, there aren't a lot of offensive linemen available right now in the top players that are available. So we're going to secure that other edge rusher and go with Joseph Osai out of Texas. And he's somebody who had 61 tackles and five sacks last season. Also had a forced fumble and two interceptions. Someone who can hold his own in pass coverage and someone who you could deploy kind of like a Matthew Judon who you can rush, but you could also put back into coverage. And I think that's something the Ravens value quite a bit. Again, with Judon and Bowser, both free agents, who knows who the Ravens are going to be relying on because Pernell McPhee is also a free agent. So if nobody signed to an extension, the only edge rusher on this Ravens roster during the 2021 offseason, at least when it starts, is going to be Jalen Ferguson. So you have to look towards the future. We selected a pass rusher in the third round, an outside linebacker. So now we're going to select another one, and that could be definitely something I can see, especially with the Ravens not selecting an edge rusher or an outside linebacker in the 2020 draft. I think Asai is really good for them, and I think with another great year, he could really shoot his way up into a mid-round selection in the 2021 NFL draft. I think it's a really good prospect. 6'4", 245 pounds. Texas always produces good football players. The Ravens just drafted one, Devin DuVernay, Deshaun Elliott, Justin Tucker, and of course, Earl Thomas. So I'm going to go with Joseph Osai here. And the Ravens currently do not have a 2021 seventh round pick as that was traded along with Chris Wormley to the Pittsburgh Steelers for that fifth round pick that was traded to the Minnesota Vikings. Some complicated stuff there, but that completes our 2021 NFL mock draft going over the picks. The Ravens only have six at the moment, but I'm sure Eric DeCoste is going to try to work some magic and get more. Rashad Bateman, the wide receiver out of Minnesota, we selected with the 31st pick in the first round. Then we selected two Ohio State guys back-to-back tight end Luke Farrell and edge Tyreek Smith. Then in the fourth round, we selected Keith Taylor. In the fifth round, we selected Errol Thompson, the linebacker from Mississippi State. And then finally, with our sixth round selection, Joseph Asai, our second edge player, he came from the University of Texas. Overall, I think this draft helps fill a lot of needs, obviously. As the 2020 college football season goes on, these guys' draft stocks are going to skyrocket. They're going to plummet. It's very unknown right now. I just thought this would be a little fun thing to do, especially looking ahead to the 2021 offseason. But I think the Ravens, if they ended up securing this draft, would be very well prepared, not only for the 2021 season, but for the future as well. That's all I have for you guys today. When we get back tomorrow, it's, of course, more Ravens talk here on Locked on Ravens. So stay tuned for that, and I will see you tomorrow.